Good to see you guys. Welcome. So good to have you guys worshiping with us here at the North Jersey Vineyard. Those of you in the room, as well as those who are joining us on uh, Facebook Live or YouTube, we're so glad to have you with us. Before I get into my message, I just want to just let us know about a special prayer meeting that we're having this week. Um, I, I mentioned last week, you know, just drawing attention to the fact of what's been going on in the uh, Asian Asian American uh, Pacific Island community, the AAPI community, where there has, you know, for the last year, uh, there has been uh, an increase, 150% increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Uh, while, while hate crimes have gone down for every other demographic, it's gone up 150%. And so there's been a lot of, you know, just anger and fear and people worried and concerned about about their parents and about themselves and their children uh, culminated, I guess it was a week and a half ago, uh, when there was a, just a horribly violent uh, crime down in Atlanta where, where six uh, Asian women were, were gunned down uh, in Atlanta. And that, um, that just really kind of brought everything to a head, I think, just all of these feelings that, that Asian Americans have had for the last year, seeing this kind of increase. And, and so I've just, I've talked to a lot of you in our church, a lot of Asian Americans in our church, Pacific Islanders in our church, and we just hear and know that, that this is like a real moment, and this is, there's, a, there's just a lot that's kind of going on, and, and it's an opportunity for us as a church to really stand together and to, uh, to, to hear each other, to lament together, to pray together, to, to really have to be the body, you know, to have one another's backs. When one hurts, we all hurt. That, that's what happens in a family. And, uh, and so this Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we're having a prayer meeting, a Zoom prayer meeting, uh, where it's going to be an opportunity to listen, to lament, and to pray. Uh, and so if you would like to participate in that, it's, it's not just for people who are part of the AAPI community. Uh, it's open to anyone. But if you'd like to be a part of that prayer meeting to show support and prayer and solidarity and, and just kind of to come together... Send an email to info at njvine.com requesting a copy of the Zoom link, and then we'll send it to you, all right? Uh, so info at, n, info at njvine.com, and, uh, and if, you, if you say, I'd like to be a part of that, we'll send it to you, and, uh, and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, okay? So that is this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Um, so as Thomas said, next week is Easter. That's crazy. I mean, it's just... Time is just strange. I don't know. It just, it's amazing how things just kind of keep just moving along so quickly. Now, normally, what we would be doing right now with Easter, like what we've done every year, is we've always said, okay, this is an opportunity that we have where, where people say, even people who don't normally come to church say, oh, I want to go to church. I should go to church. It's Easter. So we really try to take advantage of that. And so our goal has always been to get as many people in church as we can possibly get and to preach the gospel as clearly as we can possibly, you know, preach the gospel. And so in years past, we would have sent out mailers to the community and we would have invested in some advertising and we would have given you guys lots of tools to invite your friends and invitations. And, and uh, uh, we'd be gathering like, who is it that, that you're hoping to invite, you know, to hear the gospel and, and write them down on a, on a prayer card and we'll, we'll pray with you that they'll be open to coming. And, and so we'd be doing all this stuff where we're not doing any of that. And the reason we're not doing it is because we feel that's still, you know, with the pandemic, 
It would, be, it would be irresponsible for us to kind of pack as many people in here as possible that could kind of overwhelm the social distancing protocols and all of that. But, but we are, you know, trying to be prepared to, to reach as many people as we can. So we have, we added a third, we added a fourth service, so three services in English and one in Spanish. And so, so we, you know, we'll have room. Uh, we'll have room, as you can see now, we even have, you know, the TVs in the lobby, and so that can kind of be like an overflow. So, so if, if I hope that uh, that those of you who are in the room that you'll be joining us next week for Easter uh, those of you on Facebook live we will we will uh, be live streaming our service uh, but uh, but I just want to see you know if if you're comfortable coming and and you know we're keeping all the social distancing protocols if you've been vaccinated I know more and more of us are are getting vaccinated as they're rolling out you know that uh, that that if you're comfortable to come and worship in person it would be great to see you invite someone to come uh, if, if not you know to the in-person if they're not comfortable with that to join us on the live stream because we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the resurrection and I will make sure that I present the gospel as clearly and articulately as I possibly can uh, next Sunday as we gather together. So so I am finishing up this series. This is the last week in the series. Keep it simple. We've been in it for a while and and what I what I'm finishing with, you know, this last week and this week, uh, it, kind of my thinking was in getting us ready for Easter and like really just thinking about our church and thinking about what it means for us to be the church. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 18, because, you know, basically the church is a really big deal. The church doesn't always act like a big deal. We don't always have, you know, we don't have our act together. But as far as Jesus is concerned, the church is a big deal. And he said this, he said, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to establish my church, and I'm going to work through my church. The church, I, you know, Jesus is the head of the church. The church is the body of Christ. And so God has committed that what he's going to do, what, the work that he's going to do in the earth to, 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 you know, to see the kingdom of God advance is going to be through the church. So the church is a, is a really big deal. And so what this says is that, you know, Satan is going to throw everything that he has. The gates of hell are going to come against the church. You know, and through the centuries, in a lot of ways, the gates of hell have come against the church, but it's not going to stand. It's not going to work. The gates of hell will not overcome the church. And so last week I talked about what it means for us to be a people who are passionate, a people who are, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, who are immersed in the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk about something that I think is really important for us to understand. We'll kind of like peel back the curtain a little bit and talk about why we do things the way we do things. Like what our philosophy is, the, the approach that we're taking and trying to draw near to God, because there's a very, there's, there are some specific values, specific things that we do here. And I, I've heard from so many of you through the years. So many people have said like, you know, this church feels different. You know, like maybe you grew up in, in a more traditional church or whatever it was, and, and you know, maybe you didn't even really go to church, but you kind of came here and you're like, oh, this isn't what I expected. This feels different. I think maybe what we're going to talk about today, what I'm going to try to lay out for you guys today, might help you understand a little bit more why things feel a little bit different here, what it is we're trying to do. Because I think there's kind of two different expressions of Christianity. And so you could have two churches that look really similar, like we're a 
modern church, right? So, so we have modern music, and we kind of got a modern setup, and, you know, you got an old fogey pastor, but other than that, you know, we got kind of a lot of modern stuff going on. But you could have another modern church uh, that looks, in, looks kind of similar to what we're doing, but could be kind of coming from a totally different perspective. And I, and I do believe, and, and hopefully you'll see where I'm going, I'm just kind of setting this all up, that, that there's one perspective that will lead to life, there's another perspective that will lead to death. There's one perspective that will lead, to, lead us to be more loving. There's another perspective that will make us more judgmental. There's one perspective that will bring, give us more joy and more peace. I think there's another perspective that'll give us more fear and more anxiety. And so I wanna, I wanna try to explain and kind of you know, draw out these distinctions. Now what I'm gonna do, the approach that I'm gonna, that I'm gonna take to kind of lay this out is we're gonna look at the second story in the Bible. The first story is the creation account. The second story is the account of Adam and Eve. <laughs> and it's kind of bookending because I started this series, you know, six weeks ago, I think it was, looking at that same story, but focusing on the lies that Satan has been telling humanity forever and ever and ever. As long as there have been human beings, these are the lies that Satan has been telling humanity. What I want to focus on this morning, I want to focus on the temptation, the specific temptation that Adam and Eve had. And and so Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 8 to 9. I'll start with verses 8 to 9. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, now what this tells us, right, initially, is that it was like a good place. It shows that God's desire for humanity has always been that we would flourish, that we would enjoy our relationship, relationship with God, that we would enjoy life, that we would be fruitful. And there were two trees, right? There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, you've, you're probably familiar with the story, with this account. Uh, even if you don't go to church a lot, you probably have, have heard this before. And I bet that the way that you think about it is there was like the tree of life and the tree of evil, right? That it was like there was a good tree and there was a bad tree. But that's not what the text says. It doesn't say that there was a good tree and there was a bad tree. It says that there was the tree of life and then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't say like it was an evil tree. It was the knowledge of good and evil. So what is that? What does that mean? Tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let me just kind of cut to the chase and then I'll unpack it. I think this is showing that humanity, we've always had two choices about how we're going to live. And this, this choice especially shows up in religion. It especially shows up in the way that we approach God. That we could either eat from the tree of life, which means we are connected to God. We are connected to Jesus. We get, our, we get our strength, we get our life from an intimate relationship with him. He is the vine, we are the branches, we're connected. Or we could be separate. We could be separate from God and we could eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we could kind of figure it out. Like, we'll figure out what's good. We'll figure out what's bad. We'll figure out how life works. We'll figure out how to approach God. We'll figure out how to be religious. We'll figure out what to do. But it's either like we like completely depend on God and get life from Him, 
or we kind of think we're going to kind of do it on our own. I think these are the choices that Adam and Eve faced, and I think these are the choices that we face today. And so verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And they did. They ate from it and they died. They didn't die physically immediately, but they eventually died physically. Spiritually, they died immediately. Like immediately, they were, you know, it was like the, 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 their, their environment was hostile and they were alienated from God, alienated from each other. Like spiritual death was instantaneous. Genesis 3, 1 to 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may, said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. If you remember, these are the, the lies that we identified that Satan continues to say to us. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And so the appeal that Satan had wasn't, hey, eat from this tree and you'll be evil. This is like the evil tree and you'll eat it and you'll be evil and you want to do evil things. No, he actually appealed to her desire for godliness. He said, this will give you knowledge. This will increase your knowledge. You'll become like God. You'll have knowledge of, you'll have knowledge of good and evil. And, and so as soon as they did that, everything changed, right? And, and I think that what you see, the way life changed for them is the way that, you know, the same way when we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when it comes to our relationship with God, there's a lot of ways that that, you know, that decision, that tree shows up in our life. I want to focus on our spirituality, our connection with God, that when we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that we will experience a lot of the same things. We will experience shame. We will experience alienation from one another. We will experience alienation from God. We will experience spiritual death. And so what I want to do is just walk us through three distinctions. Three distinctions when it comes to our relationship with God to try to draw out the distinctions. What is it like when we eat from the tree of life? What is it, we li what is it like when we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So distinction number one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is do more to get God. Do more to get God. So if you want more of God, if you want blessing on your life, right? Remember, it's like up to you, right? If you're, you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you want God's blessing on your life, if you want him to anoint you, if you want him to use you, if you want God's favor on your life, you're going to have to work for it. I mean, you're going to have to get to work because you're going to have to work pretty hard. See, this appeals to us. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has, like it appealed to Adam and Eve, it appeals to us because we love to measure our religion. We love to measure. We want to know how we're doing. We want to keep score. And so when we eat from this tree, we keep score. You know, we can say like, okay, well, how many Bible verses did you read? How much of it did you memorize? Uh, how much did you pray? How much did you give? How much did you serve? How much did you deny yourself? We love, this is where legalism comes from. We love to be able to keep score as we, as we approach God. The problem is, right, it's never enough. 
It's never enough. There's always more that you can do. I mean, if you're talking about trying to, you know, earn God, there's always more that you can do. And so the tree of knowledge is do more to get God. The tree of life is receive what Jesus already did. The tree of life, see, the tree of knowledge says, okay, here's the price you got to pay. The tree of life says Jesus already paid the price. So distinction number one, go to, that, go to that slide. Tree of life, receive what Jesus already did. And it says this in Ephesians 2, 4 to 9. I love, I love this passage because it just, it captures so beautifully what Jesus has done for us. Verse 4, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So it starts off, this says, it starts off, it says, God's because of his great love for us. Even though we were dead, and you know, dead people can't do anything. Dead people just lay there. Even though we were dead and we couldn't pay a price and we couldn't do anything, God, uh, by grace, saved us, made us alive when we were dead. Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So listen, what that means is that even though like right now you're sitting here at, at 310 Phillips Avenue in a converted warehouse, but you are also, if you're in Christ, you are also right now seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. See, this isn't talking about a future thing. It's like you have already been seated with Christ. You are seated currently. So yeah, you're sitting in this converted warehouse, but you're also seated with Christ. Why are you seated with Christ? Why are you like packed in there in the throne, you know, with Jesus? It goes on. And this is like absolutely mind-blowing. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So what this is saying, you know how I always talk about hope being our superpower, right? That, that we can have hope no matter what, right? That we, can, that we can know that no matter what happens, we're safe and secure in the kingdom of God. This is why we can know that. Because here is your future. Here is your destiny. You see, God, apparently, you know, there's like a whole big universe out there. And so we know like, you know, we know like what's on earth. We know a little bit about angels and demons and some other stuff. But there's all, you know, the, in, the universe is infinite. We don't know everything that's in the universe. We don't know everything that God has done, will do. Uh, so apparently that God, as, as, as like eternity continues... God is going to want to show the watching universe, you know, watching reality, how he wants to show them how good and kind and loving and perfect and faithful he is. And so his plan to show his goodness, faithfulness, love, you know, kindness, goodness, all of that is that for all of eternity, you are going to be his show and tell. I think we can do more than one amen for that. Because listen, you are going, your purpose is that you are going to be God's show and tell. God is going to show the watching universe how good he is by lavishing you with his love and his generosity and his kindness and his goodness and his faithfulness. And for all of eternity, you will receive wave after wave after wave of the loving kindness of God. That is your purpose. That is what is awaiting you. And then Paul goes on, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast. Another phrase that I say all the time is we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. This is where I get that, right? That we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It's important for us to see where it shows up in Paul's writing because he says, listen, this is your destiny. 
This is what God has done. This is the salvation. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, experiencing his goodness. What could you possibly do to earn that? Like seriously, like you could work hard and you could earn some stuff. You could earn a good meal. You could earn nice clothes. You could earn a car. You could earn a house. You could earn a beach house. You could earn 10 houses. But what could you possibly do to earn a future like that? Right? There is nothing that you could do. It is a gift. It is grace. We receive it. And so when we are eating from the tree of life, we don't try to work hard for God. We receive the grace of God that's already been poured out for us. We don't pay the price. We realize and acknowledge that Jesus is the one who paid the price. Distinction number two, the tree of knowledge. Try to get God's approval. Try to get God's approval. You see, so many of, all of you, but all of us, we've got something inside of us where it's like we, we have this view of God that he's like mad at us, that he's angry, that he's scowling, that he's just basically, you know, you don't have to raise your hand as a rhetorical question, but how many of you feel that God is just basically fed up with you most of the time? That he's just kind of like, some of you put your hands up. You didn't have to raise your hand, but that's a human. Well, you just kind of feel that. Why do we feel that way? You know what? I don't know how many of you guys remember something from the 70s and 80s. There was something called Chick Tracks. Does anybody remember Chick Tracks? They were these, they were these tracks. They were these like, these cartoon gospel presentations by this guy, J.T. Chick. And they were really intense. And it was like cartoons, but it was like, you know, it wasn't like God, you know, hates sin. I mean, kind of the message in Chick Tracks was like God kind of hates sinners. You know, it was, it was all like fire and brimstone. It was really intense. And, and so, so in the Chick Tracks, you know, it would all be like someone who was like, they didn't repent, and so they got thrown into hell, and it's all like, you know, it's animated. And so they, he would constantly show, like, the throne of God. And go ahead and throw that, show that cartoon here. So this is from an actual Chick Track. And so, so here you have giant, faceless dictator God telling the little tiny ant people to depart from me. And, and I, you know, even if you've never seen, keep this up for a minute, even if you've never read a Chick Track, which is good, somebody told me after the nine o'clock service that he had Chick Tracks in his house and, and his daughter was there and she, and she was good, she wanted to see him. And I said, well, after you look at them, put on some worship music or do something to kind of cleanse your palate. But, but, but some of us, you know, even if you've never seen this, that image of God is kind of there right? That God is angry, that God is just waiting to kind of slap you down, that if you don't like toe the line, you know, God is ticked off and, and he's just gonna, he's just gonna slap you down. He's gonna smush you like you're a little ant. This giant, faceless, angry dictator God is just waiting to slap you down. But the tree of life, see, the distinction with the tree of life is we receive God's love for us. You see, here's the thing. God does have a face. God is not faceless, and it, but it is, the, it is the face of Jesus. God has a disposition towards sinners. It is the disposition of Jesus. God has a desire to bless. It's the same desire to bless that we saw manifested in Jesus. You see, the beauty of the gospel, the wonder of the gospel, is that God, as human beings have, have for, you know, forever said, what is God like? Jesus came to show us. Jesus came to tell us what God is like. When, when Jesus, the last night that he spent with his disciples before going to the cross, 
Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus' response was, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And that may be the most wonderful statement that anyone has ever made, that God who created everything is just like Jesus that God is loving, that God is kind, that God forgives sinners, that he heals the broken, that he welcomes children, that he calls the rejected, he restores the fallen, he touches the untouchables. This is the Father God that Jesus revealed. He is the God who feeds the hungry, who cares for the poor, who turns water into wine. And it is the best news that is imaginable that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God showed his love for you that even when you were still sinners, even when you were at your worst, God loved you. Now, here is the good news that I have for each and every one of us. The good news is there is nothing that you could do that will make God love you any more than he does right now. And there is nothing that you could do that could make God love you less than he loves you right now. See, God's love is perfect. God's love for you is infinite. God's love for you is a given. And the reason it's so important for you to be in Christ, for you, when, you know, the reason that I give invitations to accept Christ all the time, the reason we want to fill this church up on Easter so people could hear the gospel is because once you're in Christ, once you're born again by the Spirit, then you are now in a place where all the goodness of God, all the love that God has for you, there's now no barrier that will separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And now that love and that blessing can flow into your life. But you see, you don't have to earn God's love. God's love for you is a given. You can just receive it. And that's worth saying amen for. Amen. The third distinction is that the tree of knowledge focuses on the externals. The tree of knowledge focuses on the externals. Basically, if you don't look right, if you don't talk right, if you don't walk right, if you don't vote right, if you don't act right, you ain't right. And so we, we focus on the externals. You know, that, that's just something that, that we do. It's, it's connected to what I said before about we love to measure our religion. And so if we're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we want to see how we're doing. We want to compare ourselves. And a visual comparison, that's really easy. And be like, oh man, you, you've got dyed hair. You've got a tattoo. And so it's a very funny thing, right? When, when people, like this has happened through the years, people will start coming to church in the winter and they'll start coming and be like, okay, I like this church. a little different. I like the, you know, preacher's all right. I like the music and it's pretty good. And, uh, and then they stick around and, uh, and then we get to the summertime and I'm preaching in short sleeves and they see that I have a tattoo. So I do. I have a little family crest tattoo right here. And I've had so many people, they've been like, you have a tattoo? Because I guess kind of think like pastors aren't supposed to have a tattoo. That's like, that's not how it works. So we, we kind of do this, right? We focus on externals. First Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord does not look uh, on, on things like that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil focuses on externals. The tree of life focuses on the internals, focuses on what's going on in your heart. Second Corinthians 3, 3, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See, if you 
you eat from the tree of life, right? You eat from the tree of life. Obeying God is not a burden. Obeying God is not hard. But if you are, if you are eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, have you ever noticed how like religious people can be some of the meanest people around? You ever notice that like religious people can be some of the harshest? Like they just, they just look mad, you know? They just kind of have this glare about them. That's because they're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that is hard. I mean, if you're trying to like make sure that you do enough to get God and that, and that you don't, you know, that giant faceless angry God doesn't smush you, that's really hard. But when you're eating from the tree of life, when you know that God loves you, when you know that he's for you, then it becomes easier, right? That's why Jesus said, he said, my burden is easy. My burden, my burden is light. When you know that he loves you, when you know that he's for you, right? When you know, like in Psalm 1, where it talks about the, the, the righteous, they're like a tree planted by streams of water. And so when you know that you're eating from that tree of life and you know God loves you and you know that he's for you, you just want your roots to go down as deep as they can go because you know that the more you're connected to God, the more you're connected to life and that you're going to yield your fruit in season. Your leaf won't wither. Whatever you do will prosper. 1 John 5, 3 says, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome because they're written on our heart because we know that God is good. We know that God is for us. And so this is the dream for our church. We want to be a church full of people who eat from the tree of life. We want to be a church that when people come, when people get connected, we want to be a church that invites others to eat from the tree of life. To say, welcome. Grimaldi, I got a little while ago. You got to jump there. No, there was another verse. That's all right. You can feel free to stay. Guys, it's Grimaldi's birthday, by the way. Happy, today is his birthday. Happy birthday, Gravaldi. <laughs> it's another First John passage. That's all right. He was, you know, I gave him the cue. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but this is the dream for our church, right? That, that we would be a church of people who are eating from the tree of life and that we're inviting others to eat from the tree of life. We, do, we want dead religion. We want that, that, that striving. We, want that, we don't want anything to do with that legalism. We don't want anything to do with that because there isn't life there. There's no life there. And so how do we do that? How do we do that as people? How do we do that as a church? Really quick, three things. The first is just fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. And so how do you fall in love with Jesus? Just think about who he is. Just think about what he's done for you. Let me, let me give you kind of the easiest assignment I've ever given you. If you want to like fall in love with Jesus in a new way, just watch The Chosen. I'm not even kidding. Go ahead, put that picture up. I have a picture here of The Chosen. I don't know if any of you guys, have any of you guys seen this? Yeah. yeah. All right. It is the most amazing thing. I don't normally shill for like Christian entertainment, but The Chosen is unlike anything else that I've seen. It's going to be a, it's a seven, uh, a seven, ep a seven season uh, series that covers the life of Jesus and the life of his disciples. They've completed season one. I think season two is, you know, it's, you can, it's available. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it other places. Uh, season two is going to premiere on Easter Sunday. And I tell you what, there, I have seen it multiple times 
times. There are some scenes that I'm not exaggerating, like the, the scene of Jesus with Nicodemus and the scene, the scene with, with Jesus at the woman at the well and the scene when they lower the paralyzed guy down. I've probably watched those scenes like 40 times and it like makes me cry and it makes me love Jesus more. Whatever it takes. That's just a, you know, a little suggestion. Watch The Chosen. But that, but that we would just, we would fall in love with Jesus. That we would just realize that he is the one who loves us no matter what. That he's the one who watches over your life. He knows the hairs on your head. When you mess up, when you, when you mess up, when you sin, when you fall, that he's not giant, faceless, angry God who's looking to smash you like a bug, that he, that he forgives you, that he says, neither do I condemn you. What did Jesus say? Whenever he ran into a sinner in his life, he said, neither do I condemn you. That he says, listen, I was a human being too. I can, I empathize, I understand, I know it's hard. Go and sin no more, but neither do I condemn you. That we, we fall in love with Jesus. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, for Christ's love compels us. And then the second thing that we can do, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be eating from the tree of life, is that we respond to sin with life. We respond to sin with life. You see, the, the way that you respond when you sin or when someone else sins can really tell you what tree you're eating from. It can really expose the tree that you're eating from. See, when you sin and you're eating from the tree of life, now you're going to respond like Adam and Eve did. You're going to be covered with shame. You're going to turn on each other. You're going to be filled with guilt. You're going to run from God. You're going to hide from God because now angry, faceless, giant God is going to smush you like a bug. That, and it shows that you're eating, from, you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if you're eating from the tree of life, you know that God loves you. You know that God is for you. And Rather than running from God, you run to God because you know that what God is in the business of doing is restoring people, is forgiving people, is cleansing people. And I have a sense that I'm talking to someone right now, whether it's someone in the room or maybe someone out there, that, that there's something that you've done. And, it, and you know it's bad. You know that you really messed up your life. You know that you really hurt people. And you have been running from God because you've been eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so you have been hiding and you have been covered with shame. But I want to tell you that God loves you, that God is for you, that the tree of life is for you, that you can eat from that tree and you can eat forgiveness and you can eat restoration and you can eat grace and you can eat God's love. God is for you. You don't have to run from him anymore, you can run to him. And I just think there's somebody specific. This is a word for you. you have, I want you to know that God is going to receive you the same way. You don't have to run from him. You can run to him because the same way when Jesus was trying to show us what God the Father was like, he told the parable of the prodigal son. And in that, the father who represents Father God, as soon as he saw the prodigal coming up the road, he ran to him and he hugged him and he restored him. And God wants to do the same for you. And so we, rest, we respond to sin with life and, you know, whether it's our sin or the sin of someone else. Because, listen, if you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when someone else messes up, you're going to make sure that you remind them that they messed up. Because when you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're keeping score, right? I mean, you want to show that you're doing better than everybody. So you're going to remind them. You're going to judge them. You're going to talk about them. 
And the way that we always talk about people in the church is we say, oh, we need to pray for so-and-so, but come on, let's be real. It's just gossip, but it's just like under the guide of, under the, under the you know, the, the, the uh, deception of prayer, or you'll avoid them. See, John 3.17, it says, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son. I have this in the message because I just like the way this, uh, the message captures this verse. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And so when we're eating from the tree of life, whether it's our sin or it's someone else's sin, we don't judge, we don't condemn, we run to God, we point people to God because God came to put the world right again. Jesus' message is always, neither do I condemn you. And so we're going to be a church that no matter what, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what struggles or challenges you have in your life, we're going to be a church where we say everyone is welcome. Everyone can come and eat from the tree of life. Everyone can hear the words of life. Everyone can come and let the grace and truth of the gospel transform your life. And so the third thing, the last thing that we can do, if we're going to keep from going back, is that we can, we can guard our heart. We can guard our heart because there's something in us, like there, there's something about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that just like draws us, it just pulls us. And so even if you're like eating from the tree of life, that, that temptation is always there to start measuring your life and measuring your religion and working for it and, and comparing yourself to other people. So we've got to really avoid the temptation. There's like a vine that'll enable us to swing from one tree to the other. We can just kind of go back and forth. When Paul was right into the Galatians, right? They started eating from the tree of life, but then they ended up getting back into the law and they started eating from the tree of knowledge. And, and Paul said in Galatians 3.3, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And listen, there's a, there's a lot of ways that this can happen. There's a lot of ways that this can show up. I want to I mention one way that I think we have to be careful about, something that we have to guard our hearts specifically these days. And I was, I was kind of debating whether or not I was going to say this, but I decided I'm going to say it. Um, I have seen, you know, we live in a time right now where more and more people are saying that the most important thing in life are your political views. That political views are becoming, for people on the right and people on the left, are becoming paramount, are becoming like the main lens, the frame in which we view life. And so what I have seen, and I've seen this, you know, from people who are here as part of this church. I've seen this from people who are on Facebook. I've seen it certainly from public figures, you know, public Christians, that more and more Christians are becoming political ideologues. People on the right and people on the left. And by a political ideologue, I mean people who they're like their primary way of viewing life is through a political lens. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have political views. I'm not saying that there can't be political disagreements. And we've always been a church of people who are on the right, people who are on the left. But we need to realize that Jesus is the one who gives life. 1 John 5.12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's all about Jesus. The most important like view, frame, lens that we have is the Jesus lens. And so we need to be careful because I've seen people who have, who have got, become kind of political ideologues.
ideologues. Again, people on the right and people on the left. And what happens is they become more judgmental. They become angrier. They become more afraid of the other. They become more, you know, they become more judgmental. They become, uh, there's more fear in their life. There's less love. There's less joy. And so we need to be on guard. Because listen, I just want to say that we as a church, that what we want to be about, what we're for, what our testimony is, is that as we have eaten from the tree of life, we have found life. We have found that there is a God who is for us. A God who, who we don't have to work hard, we don't have to pay a price to get to. He's run to us. We have found that this is a God who's not waiting to crush us like a bug. This is a God who loves us. This is a God who wants to lavish his love and his grace and his mercy on our life. We have found that, that, that uh, as, as God changes our heart, as he transforms our heart, that his commands are not a burden. His commands are a joy. And so we want to be a people who eat from the tree of life. And we want to be a people who invite others to come and eat from the tree of life. And we want to be aware that the temptation to begin eating from the tree of knowledge is there and can show up in all sorts of different ways. But we are going to say, just as this verse says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. We are going to lift up Jesus. We're going to lift him high because what the Bible promises is that if Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men and women to himself because the life that he offers will be clear and it is abundant life. And our job as we eat from the tree of life that we lift up Jesus so others can eat from that same tree. Let's, let's all stand together. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I just bless your presence here in this room right now. God, I pray that you would draw near. Lord, I thank you, God, that we can eat from the tree of life. I thank you, God, for the love and the mercy that you have lavished on us. God, I thank you, God, for just the incredible truth that our destiny with you as we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, God, that you're going to pour out your love and your blessing and your favor and your goodness upon us for all eternity. And Lord, I just pray for anyone right now who's just kind of struggled because of the tree of knowledge. And maybe you grew up in an environment or you've just kind of been exposed to, to, to Christianity that's tree of knowledge Christianity, that's about legalism, that's about externals, that's about judgment, and that you've kind of, you've kind of believed this lie that God is that giant, faceless, angry, you know, God who's just waiting to smush you. And so it's been really hard for you to believe that he's your father. It's been hard for you to believe that he loves you. It's hard for you to believe that he has grace and he has mercy for you. And so in the name of Jesus, I just break any lies that have been spoken over you. And I just tell you the truth in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God loves you. He loves you. God is for you. Jesus is full of compassion for you. Jesus has life for you. 
And so where there's judgment, where there's shame, where there's guilt, where there's hiding, where there's alienation, where there are walls up, in the name of Jesus, we tear down those walls. And I just pray in Jesus' name that you would experience right now the embrace of the Father. Father God, the face of, the face of God has been expressed in the face of Jesus. He is for you. He loves you. There's nothing you could do to make him love you any more than he loves you right now. There's nothing you could do to make him love you any less than he loves you right now. Receive the love of God through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. More, Lord. Bless your presence here. And listen, if you have not yet accepted Jesus, if you haven't given him your life, like I was saying before, the incredible destiny and future, all of God's love, that, that if, you, if you will accept Jesus, if you'll open up the door of your heart, you'll invite him in, what Jesus calls being born again, which means you just surrender to him. You say, God, I accept your free gift of salvation. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready now to live my life with you. That once you do that, there's no barrier. All the love that God has for you can now flow into your life. And you can know that your sins are forgiven. And you can know that for all of eternity, you're going to have God pouring out his love and blessing on your life. If you're ready to do that, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I ask that you forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift to salvation. Now help me to live from a place of knowing that you love me, knowing that you're for me. I want to eat from the tree of life so that I can walk in the abundant life that you have for me. Give me your Holy Spirit and lead me. Because from here on out, you're the Lord of my life. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, do me a favor. Just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer this morning. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. If you text, uh, text follow to 201-584-7188, you can do that if you're here in the room. You can do it if you're watching on the live stream. Text follow to 201-584-7188. We'll reach out to you. We'll pray for you. We'll maybe suggest some next steps that you can take and just kind of see kind of where you're at and what we can do to kind of help you uh, grow in your relationship with Jesus because there's, there's no greater decision than the decision to follow Jesus and to surrender your life to him. All right, so, so we're going to have some prayer ministry right now. So folks from the prayer team are going to make their way over to my right. And so if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer uh, because you know that maybe you're carrying some scars and some wounds from maybe religious experiences that were eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's still kind of with you. We want to pray for you that God will bring about freedom. If it's hard for you to really believe that God loves you and that he's for you and you still have that faceless giant God showing up, let us pray for you that God will set you free from that and reveal to you who Jesus really is whatever your needs are. I think maybe there's some people you came here this morning, you, you came somebody with a real serious financial need 
And I think God just wants you to know he sees that financial need and he's going to provide, he's going to make a way. And then get prayers so somebody can agree with you in faith and pray for, for God's provision that what you need uh, will, will come when you need it. All right, whatever your needs are, we would love to have the opportunity to pray for you. Just keep your mask on. We'll keep socially distanced. All right, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you hopefully uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock. Good Friday. Prayer meeting Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Uh, invite you to join us. And, uh, and then next Sunday is Easter. So God bless you guys. Have a great week.